We come again this morning to the book of Joshua, and this morning we are reading um, Joshua chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, please do open up and follow along with me, and do keep your Bible open as we go through this passage this morning. We'll read um, Joshua chapter 2, just beginning at verse 1. This is God's word. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shechem as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And I was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, that the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went, but pursue them quickly, for for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you, when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me, by the Lord, that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house, and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you. And hide there three days, until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. The men said to her, 
We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also, all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. December 1936 was a moment of history for the British royal family, when Edward VIII voluntarily abdicated the throne, having just been crowned King of January that same year. Why did he abdicate? Well, it was for love. He fell in love with an American lady who did not meet royal standards or that of the government or church. She was already divorced and pursuing a second divorce, but King Edward was committed to her. There were various religious, political and moral objections to this lady. To put it simply, she was not good enough to take on the role of queen. Some may agree, some may disagree. But we come this morning and we think about the character of Rahab, a pagan prostitute. Many would say there are various good religious political and moral objections as to why she should never be allowed to be part of Israel, part of God's people, God's family. I mean, she certainly wasn't an obvious choice to marry into royalty. As we come to chapter 2 in Joshua, there are three main sections which should be quite easy to spot in, in your Bible as there are three main paragraphs, just like in my Bible. And if you look to verses 8 to 13, you will see that the main section or the main point of the passage. So the whole passage is structured a bit like a sandwich with the main bit or the meat in the middle. It was a typical way of writing come away from a storyline in order to make a main point. This morning I want to consider 
um, three points together. Firstly, Rahab's faith from verses 8 to 14. Then proof of Rahab's faith, verses 1 to 12 and also 15 to 21. And then finally, proof of God's faithfulness, verses 22 to 24. So a little bit different this morning, we're going to begin with the middle section, think about the main bit of the passage and work from there. So firstly, Rahab's faith, verses 8 to 14. Now as we've said, we're, we're speaking about Rahab, a, a Canaanite, a pagan prostitute. Joshua has, has sent two spies into Jericho and they're staying with Rahab. She has hidden them in the roof and we're going to think more about that later. But verse 8, she comes up to the roof to speak to the men and says to them, verse 9, I know that the Lord has given you the land. She recognises God is sovereign, that is, God is in control, working to bring about all that he has promised his people. And she says that the fear of you has fallen upon us. All the inhabitants of the land melt away because of you. Now, last week we referred back to Numbers 13, where Moses sent 12 spies to the land, and then those spies brought a report back that, yes, the land is good, but the people are so strong. We, we, we'll never be able to defeat them. And, and God's people began to grumble, even wish that they had died in Egypt. And because of their lack of faith in God to fulfil his promise, all people over 20 years um, died in the wilderness except for Caleb and Joshua. God's people melted before their enemies. And yet here in Joshua 2, as God is giving his people the land and rest he promised, their enemies, all the inhabitants of the land, are melting away before them. Not because God's people are particularly strong or powerful, but because God is powerful, mighty, strong. Well, how, how did Rahab come to, to this faith, to this recognition of who God is? Well, look at verse Verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. Her faith was based on hearing what God was able to do of his mighty acts on behalf of his people. We're not told how she heard or, or who she heard from. I mean, presumably what, what God had done on behalf of his people was, was a big enough story to spread. But regardless, she had knowledge of what God had done and responded in 
see it. It's interesting that, that, that even those who, who didn't respond in faith, all the inhabitants, they, they still believed that God would defeat them. They, they still melted away at the thought of being God's enemies. And she continues, verse 11, As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. I want to read from Deuteronomy 4. Here, again, Moses is urging God's people to obedience. Listen from verse 37 of Deuteronomy 4. And because he, that is God, because God loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in to give you their land for an inheritance, as it is this day, know therefore today that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath there is no other. Here in Joshua 2, Rahab makes the very same confession that God's own people, Israel, And by saying this, Rahab is saying, God is above all gods, all Canaanite gods. She is claiming Israel's God as the only true God. And so men of Jericho knew they didn't stand a chance before this God. And in verse 12 and 13, in light of her confession, she says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with me and my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Listen to Dale Ralph Davis on these verses. He says this, genuine faith never rests content with being convinced of the reality of God, but presses to take refuge in God. You see, Rahab knew the reality of God's existence, as did all the inhabitants. But you see, that, that was not enough. It wasn't enough to just believe that God existed because God's judgment was coming. And so Rahab knew that she had to take refuge in God. If we go back to Genesis chapter 15, verse 16, around 500 years before where we are now in Joshua. God is speaking to Abram, promising Abram a land, people, and a blessing. And God says, verse 16, 
that God's people would come back to this land that is Canaan, the promised land, for the iniquity of the Amorites, that is the Canaanites, is not yet complete. And if we turn to Deuteronomy 9, we read verses 4 and 5. Again, Moses addressing um, Israel, God's people. He says, Do not say in your heart, after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you, that is their enemies in Canaan, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. Whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land, but because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. And that he may confirm the word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. God is faithful to every promise to his people. God is faithful in judgment. What God says, he will do. God promised to Abraham that he would bring judgment on the Amorites. And then he said in Deuteronomy, as he promised to give his people land, that his people would be the means of destroying, of judging the Amorites. And for God to be faithful, for God to be true to his word, he must bring judgment on these people as he said he would. But let's get this in perspective. God warned this people around 500 years ago. He did not bring judgment on them quickly, or rashly, or unfairly. Day after day, month after month, year after year, century after century, they had opportunity to turn from their sin and turn to God, but they did not. God's judgment is coming. But even in God's judgment, there is mercy and grace for those who turn to God in faith to be delivered from death and judgment. And Rahab is proof of that. Her hope of deliverance was the mercy of God, that God would deal kindly with her. The fact she was a pagan prostitute really was neither here nor there. Her hope was not in in who she was or what she had or hadn't done, but her hope was in the mercy of God. That's exactly the same today. God's judgment is coming. God wouldn't be faithful to his word if it didn't come. And yet every day that you have life is God's patience with you. Every day you have life is an opportunity for you to acknowledge who God is and rely on the mercy of God to be saved from judgment. 
God sent Jesus Christ to die in our place to be judged instead of us. So all who put their faith in him and what he has done for them will know deliverance from death and judgment. God's mercy and grace is known in Jesus Christ. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done, how big or how great or how ugly your sins are. God's mercy and grace is greater than any sin. And if, you, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, but you're still struggling, still battling, still fighting sins. You need to rest again on his mercy. Your sins are not condemning you. You will not be defeated. Your sins do not have the power to judge you. When your refuge is in God, when you are relying on his mercy. Rahab pleaded to be delivered. And the two men of Israel responded by welcoming and making an agreement with this lady. Which, of course, according to the law, they shouldn't make an agreement with anyone outside Israel. But their making an agreement and welcoming her shows they were not making an agreement with an outsider, but one who was the Lord's, who was one of them. If they had done something that was against the law, they would have been punished for that. But they put their very life on it. Verse 14, they said to her, Our life for yours, even today. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. There was assurance for her when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. And again today, those who turn to Jesus Christ in faith are, are welcomed into the church of God. Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, he says in Ephesians 2, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Brought near to God, brought near to his people. And as the family of God, we welcome every believer equally as one of us. We make no distinction of as to who they are or where they've come from or what they've done or what their current issues or sins are. Because we were all outsiders. We've all been brought near by the blood of Christ. And it's here in the family of God we find our belonging. Rahab's confession of faith, it shows us too that God's plan of salvation to give his people a land and a rest was always to go far beyond the nation of Israel. His promise to Abraham was that all nations would be blessed through him. And here we are getting just first glimpses of blessing to 
the nations. Paul writes in Galatians 3, It is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. God's promise of a land and rest and blessing is for all people of all time who put their faith in him. So we see Rahab had faith. Secondly, we see proof of Rahab's faith. Scripture is very clear that the proof or evidence of genuine faith is good works in our lives. And twice the New Testament refers to the good works in Rahab's life. In Hebrews 11 and verse 31 we read, By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Again, we see in James chapter 2, verse 25, and in the same way, this is James speaking about faith and works, he says, in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Just last week from Joshua 1, we saw that as God's people, we serve God by selflessly serving his people. This is what Rahab did. She proved the genuineness of her faith by selflessly serving God's people. She received the men in verses 1 to 7 and then sent them away safely in verses 15 to 21. As I said, Joshua sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies um, to view Jericho. Now the emphasis here is not the wider area of Canaan but specifically the city of Jericho. And from here in chapter 2 to the end of chapter 6 is an account of God's people taking the city of Jericho. But these two men arrived and they lodged with Rahab. Now although they were sent secretly, um, the king of Jericho was told, verse 2, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho had also heard they were with Rahab. So he sent a message to Rahab, verse 3, saying, Bring out the men who have come to search out all the land. But Rahab had hidden the men. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I, I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. But, she says, pursue them quickly and you'll be able to overtake them. So off these two messengers from the king, off they went, verse 7, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. 
You know, it's the type of story that you just couldn't write. You read it and you want it to be a film. It, it, it's edge of your seat kind of stuff. It's, it's tense. You know, the king's men come to her house, spies are inside, she covers up for them, then she hurries these, these two messengers along, and they're thinking that they're chasing the spies, and just as they go out through the gates, the gates are shut behind them, and they are shut out of the city. But you know, Rahab really put her neck on the line here. What she did was not safe. I mean, if the king had discovered what she had done, what could the outcome have been? But the risk she took showed the genuineness of her faith, as she selflessly served God's people. I wonder, are we prepared to put our neck on the line, so to speak, to serve God's people? Are we prepared to say no to comfort, security, safety, to selflessly serve God, his people, to bring the gospel to those who do not have Well, Rahab received the men into her home, and then she made sure they were sent off safely. Look at verse 15 and 16. She let them down by a rope through a window, and said to them, verse 16, Go into the hills, that's the opposite direction of the city gate, go into the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned, and then afterwards you may go your way. But before they left, the two men gave her a scarlet cord and told her to tie it in the window which they had been let down from. And they said, when we come back to take the land, be sure you and all your family are in the house. Do not come out. And they went over the terms of their agreement, and Rahab said, verse 21, according to your word, so be it. They left, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window, as they had said. And this cord acted as a sign that Rahab and her family would be saved from God's judgment. Reminds us of the Passover. And when God's judgment was coming on Egypt, where every firstborn would be killed. And God's people had to take blood from a lamb and, and put it on the doorposts of their house. The blood from the lamb was a sign that God's people would be saved from God's judgment. And of course this points us to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who became our substitute, who died in our place so we could be saved from God's judgment. This brings us to your final verses, 22 to 24. And here we see God's people are reassured of God's promise, proof of God's faithfulness. Verse 22, they departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. 
Then the two men returned safely. In verse 24, they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. God's people had already been given God's promise. We saw that last week. But here God reassures them again of his promise. I mean, perhaps as they come closer to actually crossing the Jordan and taking the land, they need a little extra confidence. But any confidence they need will come from knowing God's promise to his people. God will do what he says. God is faithful. God saved Rahab as he said he would, and we'll see that when we come to chapter 6. But as we have said, you see, God is working towards a, a greater land and a, a greater ultimate rest. We turn to Matthew chapter 1 in our Bible. It's worth looking this up. Matthew begins with the genealogy of Jesus Christ, um, tracing back to Abraham. The line begins with Abraham, verse 2. And we look to verse 5 of Matthew 1. And we read, Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. You see, what we said at the beginning was that Rahab, the pagan prostitute, she was hardly the obvious choice to marry into royalty. And yet here we see from the direct line of Rahab was born King David. But we read on through the generations and we come down to verse 16. Look at verse 16 with me. We see Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Rahab, the pagan prostitute. Not good enough to be a royal, and yet from her direct line, by the grace of God, the King of all kings, was born Jesus Christ. And it is through this King that God's blessing would come to all peoples, to all nations. The promise to Abraham would be fulfilled. It is through this selfless, this king's selfless service to God's people, sacrificing his life, that they could have the assurance of inheriting God's land and God's eternal rest. God is faithful. Let's pray together. Our God, we come to you again. We recognise that you are God. Above all gods, there is no other. You are sovereign. You are faithful. You are merciful. 
And today again we rely on your mercy. From every past sin to every current sin, we rely on your mercy. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that by faith in him, we have come to know your mercy, your kindness, and your faithfulness. May we live in light of this, showing love to each other, welcoming all who come in faith, and showing those outside your family how good it is to be in the family of God. Oh God, to you alone belongs the highest praise.